Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. This is Billy B.J. Jones. And this is Nadine Tabsch. And we are the Fry Guys. We're here live Friday, August 21st, Eastern Standard Time, 8 p.m. here in America. Thank you for listening to us. Tonight's show is Sprite Talk, Episode 2. Our topic is Terror in the Woods. So anytime you want to chat with us during this live podcast, you may do so at 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. And our inboxes are open too. Everyday folks, listen at gmail.com is the email address if you'd like to email your questions, comments, or requests. Everyday folks, listen at gmail.com. Everybody, thank you for joining us again for episode two. I do want to say a shout out to all of the listeners and followers on Instagram. Uh, last week's premiere episode had over 200 listens, and that is absolutely amazing, and the number keeps on growing. want to give some right. special shout out and some special love to uh, uh, people who have been promoting the show. Um, you know, Suarez has been promoting the show. Karina Mariaga has been promoting the show, so... A lot of thank you, a lot of props to all the followers, and please don't forget, you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram now. Fright Talk Guys is our tag on Instagram, so go ahead and give us a follow, and we can dive right into this tonight for our Friday Night Frights. And folks, our topic tonight, and I'm going to read the description that we posted on our feed for this particular episode. It reads as follows. What lurks in the darker reaches of Mother Nature? Why are we so much more aware of our senses when we're fully immersed in nature? And why are there so many camping horror tales and strange things happening in forests? In this episode, folks, we explore the terror in the woods. You know, Nadine, about our first episode, you had a lot to see and that there was a great story you opened with us. Actually, it wasn't even your first episode. It was a conversation we had on another podcast where you discussed wholeheartedly the um, – a camping story you had about your time out in the Everglades, right? Yeah. And, yes. and so, you know, people when people think about the woods and or other places where human life forms are a lot more um, distant or or, 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 or or intermittent, people, right. I could see how it makes for a great scare. You know, what do you think? Terror in the Woods, we got this title when it came. You came up with it, by the way. What, 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 what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I think the woods when we talk about the paranormal and the fright, the woods is a place where you have a variety of paranormal, uh, let's say, stories or experiences. Because if you think about it, people say, well, I saw Bigfoot in the woods. Or maybe somebody 
saw a UFO in the woods, or they were hiking through the woods and they saw uh, what they felt like a presence or a uh, poltergeist. You Mm -hmm. think of the New Jersey Devil, the Mothman. All of these stories center around the woods. So the woods is fascinating when it comes to the paranormal and horror because Mm -hmm. any type of entity can encompass a scary story in the woods. That's very true. You know, I have some interesting facts. I did a website uh, search today thanks to CampJellyStone.com, where Yogi Bear is his logo. But they provided some interesting facts about the woods or forest that I thought would be a good positive start before we go to the macabre. One was crickets can calculate the temperature. Didn't know that. Didn't know that either. Canada has an amazing number of insects in their woods or in their campgrounds. Lyme disease takes longer to take effect than you think. Because many folks say that Lyme disease is a common threat for folks, especially you can you know, contract it out in the, in the wild. No, raccoons, yeah. may, raccoons may sound like cats, but you shouldn't cuddle them. <laughs> <laughs> Your campfire may be hazardous. And camping can actually relieve stress and depression. Wow. I believe that, though, because a lot of people enjoy being one with nature, especially if you live in the city and you go wow. out to the woods. I mean, you don't hear traffic. You don't hear, you know, the cars honking, the ambulance, the sirens. You're out there with Mother Nature, and it can be very peaceful during the day. And, but you know what? As the night falls and mm-hmm. nature, those crickets and other things start chirping. And, of course, there's no light, no human man-made light to give us an opportunity for us to light our way or guide our way back to our car or to refuge. It could be quite scary, in fact. And folks, you know, this is why we're talking about the terror in the woods. You know, Nadine, there are several movies and books that are attributed to terror in the woods. In fact, one of them is called In the Woods. The, wo- the Woods is on Netflix, the right? Woods. <laughs> yeah, or The Cabin in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods, yeah. You know, these are some, and there, and there are a host of others, but all a lot, it, it's interesting, because I've seen the, the Cabin in the Woods, which is an interesting one. Right. You know, when you want to go away and want to break away from, from the retreat, the interesting story about a story like that is that it's the cabin in the woods, but it's not really the woods that's the scary part. It's the crazy humanity that's running around in it or lurking in it. Right, right. And I just think that the the woods, especially at night, there's so much unknown. Because during the day, I mean, you could you see fairly well. But right. at night, you know, even if you're in a cabin in the woods, I mean, how far can you really see? And so right. you're surrounded by darkness literally you, you can't see much you were talking about you know not having much light um you really don't know what's lurking behind those trees it's true and, and i'll add something else it, it also lends to some of the other lore that is out there in terms of slender man oh yeah the jersey devil bigfoot mm-hmm. gotta talk about that one as well yeah. we have other depending on the geographic region where you are in the world actually because there are also some haunted forests or woods in other areas, yeah. you know? And so here in America, yeah. we have um, Devil's Tramping Ground in North Carolina. It says, deep in the northern, the North Carolina woods, about 50 miles south of Greensboro, is a mysterious circle where no plant or tree will grow, no, nor any animals cross its path. The reason? The 40-foot clearing is where the devil comes to stump and dance every night, at least according to local legend. Yeah, that's interesting. That's pretty good. You know, I think that uh, when we think about, I, I've also heard uh, 
some pretty scary stories of the woods in North Carolina by Roanoke, by the Lost Colony. Yeah. Ah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually heard quite a few of those uh, those scary stories in the woods. And I know when we when we think about haunting in the woods and whatever, so we, as human beings, we think very geographically, whether we know it or not. We think about the United States, but the truth is, there is wilderness all over the world, and there, are, if you start, you know, doing some investigating, you realize that there is all types of different paranormal stories of wood that have taken place in the woods all over the world. I'm glad you mentioned Roanoke. I remember an American Horror Story, and you know, folks, right. one of my, per, you know, Nadim and I love to watch it. But yeah. in episode, I think it was season eight. I can't remember what number it was. It was based on on obviously the legend where there was this colony, right, that was alleged that there, there are these assumptions what happened. There were these folks who arrived to a new land, right, to start a new life. And when they arrived here, and we're talking 17th century, when they arrived, there was, they, they were there, they started and, and built homes, and all of a sudden they were totally wiped out. They disappeared. And people, you know, claimed that either witchcraft took them, there was something that inhabited the place that was, because they were the foreigners that it, it eventually enveloped them and, and, and destroyed them. Others claim that perhaps they ended up migrating or interculturally mingling with the Indians that lived in the area as well. Right. So there are all these like speculations, but what's scary is this, for people just to get up and go and leave their belongings and, and there's nothing behind, that's kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, and we're not talking about like five people. Right, and we're talking we're about... Talking about yeah, we're talking. I think I want to say the number is close to 100, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Right. Like, it's quite a bit of people to just disappear, you know, without a mm-hmm. trace. And then, you know, the there's always that that folklore. We know when we talk about the woods, there's also a lot of uh, Native American stories of things that have taken place in the woods. And we do know that, you know, at times people perform ceremonies or rituals mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, that has been, you know, the pretty much documented for a very long time. This is nothing recent. This is, you know, throughout Mm -hmm. history. And so I think all of those things together kind of just add that supernatural element to the woods. And I, you know, I have to, you reminded me of something. Do you remember back in 1999, summer 99, Nadine, the movie Blair Witch came out? Oh, yes. Yes. Do you remember that, right? Absolutely. It's a place in the woods. In the woods, right? Yeah. Yeah. And one of you know, a lot of folks, especially today in today's scare standards, people would think it was, you know, and that time everyone thought it was garbage, right? Because they right. said, wait a minute, what's going on? This is silly. It's all like a docuseries, three camera angle. This is just too yeah. much. But when after, you know, the, the story came out and, and the actors started talking, they started revealing some things about that series, right? Things such as they knew their lines, but they didn't know all their lines. Like they were each given clues and hidden in different spaces. And they, and every time they find a new clue, they they were told what to do in their character from that clue. So the other characters didn't know to what extent they were going to be acting. So some of it was a lot of it was improvisation as a result, which furthered the intensity of the fear. And there was one segment of that that movie. Remember when they were running in the woods? And they were like uh-huh. screaming in the middle of the night. They were hearing all kinds of sounds outside the right, den. Right. And yeah. so, and, and, and remember, there was no, the internet wasn't what it is today. We had AOL dial-up still, folks, back in that day. Yeah. It was the first <laughs> movie to actually come out, you know, about, A, about woods in, in technology, but it was the first movie to use the web as a major source of media push. 
because whenever they released it on the web, they only released it with a one page of a date that was forthcoming. It was very clever what they did with that film. And so years later, of course, we get The Cabin in the Woods, The Woods, and other renditions or reflections of it. Pretty interesting. Yeah, and I think that uh, the way Blair Witch, the original one, was filmed was actually quite genius because it it puts you there. And I know for a lot of people, they're like, oh, it was hard to watch because, you know, the camera was shaky and whatever. But it kind of gave that more realistic uh, sense to it. So definitely, but you start watching that film. I mean, now we know, but you start watching that film and you're like, okay, wait a second, is, is this a documentary? At that time, people start watching and they're like, I'm not sure, is this a documentary or is this, you know? So I thought it was very clever on how that was done. But but I agree with you. I think when it first came out, people were like, oh, whatever. But looking back on it, a lot of people were like, oh, okay, it was it was scary. But like you said, the woods. There's a there there's a, a place over in Japan, and I'm going to butcher this name, Nadine. It's called, we call it in English, the Suicide Forest. And oh, yeah. Place, you've probably heard of it. It's an Okigahara forest. It says, this seemingly serene forest the foot of Mount Fuji was a tormented past, you know, colloquially known as Suicide Forest. Aigo Kahara, mutilating the name again, is the world's second most popular site for suicide after the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. In 2010 alone, 247 people attempted to take their own lives there, and 54 of them were successful. Wow. Yes, and I, I have heard stories that people go in there into the suicide force and hear voices and things like that yeah. um, because of, you know, the, those say tortured souls or whatever. I'm glad you brought this up, Billy, because I want to take a pause for a minute and just remind people that uh, listening discretion is advised. So, obviously, this show is... For adults, and you are not an adult without your parent consent, you shouldn't be hearing the show. But, okay, I just wanted to mention that. I think it's important to say that. And also, just yeah. to remind folks, if you want to talk to us live, our line is open, 347-539-5372. Again, that number is 347-539-5372. And we see that some of you aren't shy. We're getting a few email questions here. Our email inbox is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that is everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Actually, this is the first one. It's from Karina. Karina Mariaka, thank you for your love and support. You know, Karina has sent us, one of our loyal fans, she sent us a series of questions here. So what we're going to do is we're going to ask them in, intermittently uh, in the context of the other questions we get, and our goal is to try to cover every single one. Here's the first one for you, Nadine. This one's for you especially. And she okay. got to us both. You both love horror as people who like it and enjoy it, uh, enjoy it. Could you ever see yourself writing anything in the horror genre, especially Mr. T? Since you have written a book of poems, could you ever see yourself doing a scary one? Okay. So thank you for the question, first of all. Um, the truth is that I actually have written a scary story that I didn't publish. And Billy, I told you about this. It was yes, you uh, did. supposed to be a paranormal investigator. Mm-hmm. And the paranormal investigator, the book would be. Uh, every chapter would be a different file from his file right. of paranormal investigation. So I actually have the manuscript done, and it's been done for quite some time. It's just me being me just kind of sat on it because, you know, everything else that's going on. But absolutely, uh, it's definitely a draw. What about you, Billy? You're an amazing writer, and you, I mean, your books have sold over a million copies. So, and you love horror so much. What, what do you feel to think about it? Like, do you feel you will ever want to do that? 
I, I do, in fact. It's a good question. I mentioned in our previous episode that Everyday Folks Volume 3 is actually going to be a dark series where all the short stories are going to be short stories that are set right here in South Florida. And so definitely um, I'm looking forward to doing it. And I actually started writing one. Like all my colleagues are telling me these weird stories and quarantine stories that they're having. Like one, I'll share this actually. And this is an aside from Friday Talk for Terror in the Woods. But actually it is related to the woods. Let me add this. Great story for the woods. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and, and this is hot off the press, not even two hours ago, because I was in a happy hour with my colleagues and one of them mentioned it. So um, she was out walking with her husband in social distancing, trying to get some breathing space in nature outside of the house. And while they were out there, they passed by in distant a man. And as they walked by and they were out in some, you know, heavy vegetated area, perhaps a woods or forest. Um, in Fort Lauderdale area. Let me also give uh, geographic context. And she said, as the guy walked by, he said, hey, he stopped. And they stopped and they turned, or everybody had their mask. But he didn't have his mask on. And he said, you guys smell really good. Okay. That sounds pretty creepy. Yeah. And and, (laughs) And so when you hear something like that, and, you know, here they are out for a stroll with nature, they didn't realize, and this was in the light of day. And she said, and then he just kept walking. And then as they walk, you know how when people walk off and they turn around and look back at each other, and the other one look back at one another, they did the same thing. But right, they kept walking all, almost to the point where they were like, they kept turning around to look to make sure he wasn't following them. It huh. was a weird situation. And she said, and that's when they went to the car and they got the heck home, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's yeah. weird. It's it, it definitely creepy. You know, I mean, I guess the response would have been like, well, if you had your mask on, you wouldn't be smelling me at all, would you? But all right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good one. That's, a good one. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. You know, folks, we want to promote fight guys. You know, fight talk guys. We want to make sure that you're practicing the best guidelines in the wake of the pandemic. That is very yeah. important. It is. And so here's a second question for you, Nadine. What makes the woods so scary? You know, so so many movies are used it as a terrifying place, but what makes it scary exactly? I feel that the woods don't have a limit to what can be in it. And by that, well, they're kind of right. By that, what I meant is if you see, if you go into an abandoned house or you see mm-hmm. these shows where people go into abandoned prisons, I mean, you mm-hmm. know what they're looking for is ghosts, spirits, poltergeists, whatever you, you want to call them. And... You know, but, you know, chances are if you're going into an abandoned house looking for poltergeists, you're not going to find UFOs. And so I was saying this in the beginning of the show that I feel like the woods are not limited to what you can encounter because the stories of what people have encountered are so vastly different. And I think that's what makes it scary, the fact that you don't know what can be in there. It could be something supernatural. It could be somebody who is unwell. Right, so I, I think that is that is probably why the, the woods are always so scary. You know, it's for the longest time. You go camping, you tell scary camping stories. You know, people putting the flashlight up to their chin and you know telling uh, ghost stories or whatever the case is. So I just think that there's no limit to what you can find in the in the forest, and so that's what makes it so scary. Mm. Here's a here's a, an interesting fact. Um, according to Google, dispersed camping is the term used for camping anywhere in the national forest outside of a designated campground. 
Dispersed camping means no services, such as trash removal and little or no facilities, such as tables and fire pits, you know, are provided. Some popular dispersed camping areas may have some toilets, however. So basically what that means is you're on your own. You might not even get any service, depending on where you're at, too, because it's so um, dispersed, as it's called, in nature, people may not have that. And here's the thing. We're so connected now, more than ever, because of social distancing, we're distancing via social media and via Zoom and everything right. else. And so imagine now, when you're on, imagine a time, folks, you've been on a, maybe you've been on vacation, you went to a certain place or the hotel didn't have internet access. How did you feel? And as a result, people started feeling a, a, a very, um, what's the word, panicky. They felt, you know, the, yeah. a sense of concern. And so now imagine that out in nature. So because we've so, been so in tune with modern society that when we take that away and we go back to our most primitive basis in terms of who we are and how we live, just like any other animal, the animal species, we happen to build houses. We're very, we're very complex. We have cognitive skills that allow us to do things. We have unique hands and, 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 and limbs that allow us to do certain things that animals can't. But the fact is, if those things are taken away from us, and then we're immersed in nature, and then God forbid, no more light. It's not yeah. a good recipe. Not a good recipe. I think it just makes people feel who they are and what they feel. Yeah, and that's a good point. Really, you know, we're, we're obviously talking about the woods, and we're talking about different. There's so many like different entities that we could talk about in the woods. So I, I want to play a quick little game with you. All right, Go I'm going to say it. a monster. I want to say a monster that is related to the woods. And I want you to tell me yes or no whether you believe the monster exists. Okay? Let's could be legend. Could be legend. All right? Ready? All right, let's go. Mothman. Hmm. There's so many, there's some evidence that it suggests that perhaps there is a strange, I, it didn't help I saw the movie 20 something, almost 20 years ago, but there's evidence to support that its potential. So I'll say yes. Okay, yes for Mothman. All right, Bigfoot. Yes. Not that I've seen it. You have to Yeah, because I live in the South. We live in the South. And let me tell you, we're insulated down here in South Florida. This is not like the rest of the South. But when you go to the true South and you're in some dense forestry or having to ride through it where there's winding roads and one way in and one way out, it'll yeah. make you think of some things. And there may be some things beyond our understanding there. All right. Um, werewolf. The idea of lycanthropes um, existing has been historic, even pre-Victorian times. I would say no. No. Okay. New Jersey Devil. I'm only going to say yes because I don't want it to find me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I want to say yes to keep it from haunting me over here in Golden Glade. Uh, and I guess the last one I'll ask you about, last one, uh, Hellhound. What's that? Hellhound, so there's uh, stories in the North American forest, I mean, really North American forest, uh, Michigan, different places like that, where it's uh-huh. essentially not necessarily a, I don't want to say a rabbit dog, but a much larger type of beastly uh-huh. animal. It's in nature, but they're, they're believed to be hellhounds, and a lot of them are believed to be around what used to be Native American, uh, either burial sites or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm. I did. 
Well, that that I didn't know that existed. I, I'm glad to hear that. And I guess the answer is maybe because <laughs> if yeah. it exists there. Well, listen, I saw. I mean, there was this dog. I don't know if folks take Photoshop and do all kinds of things, but I see these large dogs and strange small ponies that may exist. I mean, so anything's possible. So maybe I'll change that to a yes. Yeah, all right. that was a great question. All right, that was good, Billy. That was good. <laughs> and here's a question for you. Um, and All this right. is from Monica, who lives in, she didn't say where she lives, but I think Monica has an issue. But she said, I lived in North Carolina. So this is interesting. Mm-hmm. And she wrote okay. this. Thank you, Monica, for listening. I lived, in, I lived in North Carolina for most of my life. I've only been once to the woods. I've never been camping. I've heard some strange stuff with my friends. Why does nature sometimes sound so scary? I think in general, the unknown is scary. Now, whether that's, think of when somebody gets a new job or starting a new school, how nervous they are that first day. You know, right. so I think, why? Because it's the unknown, right? And I think when you get something as vast as the woods and the forest, it's almost the great unknown. I mean, you really, besides the ocean, I mean, you really, uh, we have not explored everything that's in the woods. The same way we haven't explored everything that's in the ocean. So I think the unknown of what can be there makes it uh, scary. I think there's nerves that go in general with just uh, venturing into something that you're not uh-huh. sure about or you're uncertain about. You know, you mentioned the ocean there, and there are depths to the ocean that human life cannot reach, right? And right. there are even new sea life that are recently being discovered that are now being unearthed because of so many reasons, global warming, whatever is, you know, whatever the beliefs may be. But the point is there's depth to the ocean, just like there's depth to the vastness of the forest or the woods. And I think the part of nature, mankind, we're good at feeling like we're invulnerable, that we are incapable of being harmed because we can create and we can protect ourselves from nature. Look what's happening right now in South Florida as we watch the tropics, right, with these crazy right. storms during the peak of hurricane season. There's nothing we can do. We can predict Mother Nature. We can see when she's coming, in well, most cases, and, and at least for a hurricane, but we can do nothing to stop her. And that is scary for a lot of people. Yes, that's true. And speaking of the great unknown, now would be a good time to get all those people that are unknown to us to call in at 347-539-5372. Again, the number is 347-539-4372. Or if you'd like to email in your questions, you're more than welcome to. I know Billy's getting flooded with questions right now. Everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Again, that's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. And our Instagram is Fright Talk, guys. And folks, in fact, if you'd like to call in, we'd love to hear from a caller. If interested, if you'd love to tell one of your tales, we recognize that many folks may be working, or maybe they're just zoomed out, Nadine. They're so yeah. tired from sitting at the computer that they're probably listening from the <laughs> listen, phone. I don't, I don't blame them. But if you've listened this far, you know that I have been advertising on social media and, and through some contacts. A lot of people have been contacting me because we actually have a giveaway today at the end of the show. We're giving out three Ghostbuster tote bags. And you don't have to do anything other than email in a question to be eligible to win. Simple as that, their winners will be chosen at random. And 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 we want to thank you for that. You know, thank you for those um, obtaining those those donations. 
And we want you to recognize here that, listeners, we value your contributions to us. In fact, we've got a, a question that's coming in that I think you should, we need to answer. It, it, okay. It's Teresa follows Nadine, and this is another one from Karina. What's your favorite movie that has a scary scene in the woods? Uh, okay. So it would probably be The Witch when, and of course, I, mean, I have to say spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but at one point, one of the children is in the woods and they have an encounter with something that looks innocent, but you can very clearly see that it is sinister. And that to me was just pretty creepy. That's a very good example. I love that example. And especially with the innocence of a child who's incapable um, of dealing with, I mean, we're incapable of fighting whatever may be supernatural, right? In some cases, right. imagine a child who's still trying to understand the concept of the world. It just furthers that reality. I will add a, a scary scene in the woods that actually happens in a house. And I know that you guys are going to laugh, but I got to use the original Evil Dead series. And I'm talking <laughs> the original from 1984. I think it's 1981 or 84. That movie was definitely ahead of its time. It was grim. It was gr- yeah. gruesome. And the fact that you could not see at first what was haunting in the woods, the fact that tree limbs and roots can come to life and drag you. Yes, it had dark comedy. And it had some other windows that were incorporated. But the fact is, if I just want to get away and be at peace, the last thing I want to do is be bothered. And one more example. Do you remember that movie that was with um, Johnny Depp? He was a writer. And he went into the woods. The Secret Window? I think it was The Secret Window. He went to the woods to kind of retreat to write, but then stuff started happening. Yeah, that was another example, a great scene, because there were some moments in there that was like, wait a minute, I'm a writer. And what if I wanted to go sit in the woods and go to a cabin? I don't want yeah. to become the protagonist of my own horror story. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah. And we have another question coming in, Nadine, from Bill. Bill asked the following to us. Why are so many people afraid of nature? Yes, you have to watch out for bears and panthers, but there's nothing more amazing than communing in nature. So I will say that for many years, I've spent my summers not in South Florida, but actually in Georgia. It's been a few years since I've done that. And North Georgia. So North Georgia, I'm talking about LJ, Georgia, Blairsville, Georgia, these areas by the Blue Ridge Mountains. Um, When I wake up in the morning, I walk out to the balcony, I see nature, and it is very relaxing and very peaceful. However, I don't think people are afraid of nature. I think people are afraid of what they can't see and what they don't know. And if you're out in nature at night, you can hear many things and see many things that you can't identify. And because you can't identify those things, your brain automatically goes to a place where it's like, okay, I know there's a spooky place, Uh what is going on, what am I hearing? So I don't think people are afraid of Mother Nature in general. I think people are more afraid of the unknown, specifically because there is a vast amount of ghost stories and Bigfoot sightings and everything else in relation to the woods. Mm. I mean, would you that? I mean, do you think that people have like an inherent fear of Mother Nature in general? Yes, I do. I, I'll share. You know, at some point, maybe in a future episode, as we talk here, the more we keep thinking about the ocean, there are people who are afraid of deep sea. You know, experiences yeah. going on cruises being on boats, or if not only because of the fact they can't swim, but they're also afraid of the unknown, right? And so right. I do feel that there are some people who are overwhelmed with 
the, with, with natural acts of nature. And those natural acts of nature can just keep people. Like my grandmother, she has bronchophobia. I know she's going to kill me if she's listening. And hopefully any of my cousins aren't listening or my sister or brother or mom. But she has bronchophobia, which is the fear of thunder. And it, every time she hears and it's, it's happening, she, she has a ritual what she would do to prepare herself. And that's easy for somebody just to get over, right? And so I think it's, it's I think it's, these things are real. And people are afraid of the things. Either they don't understand or they may be experiencing through trauma. Sometimes trauma makes us respond the way we do, especially when it comes to nature. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I didn't know that, but this is another, we, we have another connection here. My grandmother's petrified of thunder and lightning. And the reason is because when she was in Cuba growing up, she grew up in what's basically farmland. And she remembers as a little girl some terrible uh, thunderstorms that mm-hmm. as growing up. In my grandmother's house, if I was in my grandmother's house and there was lightning and thunder outside, it was all the lights are off, nobody's picking up the phone or the ring, all the things, you're going to sit in silence in the dark until this happens, how many, however many hours that is. So my grandmother also has a uh, a disdain and a fear for lightning and thunder. Mm-hmm. And that's a very interesting point. You got to huddle close like a campfire to her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Abuelas, we love you. We love you. We love you. We're getting several questions are coming in, and these are some more recent ones, and I still have maybe four more on our list that we need to answer, but let's get one new one. This one is from MS Dan. I think it's you, Mia. Mia, I think it's Mia. My brother has a very interesting story, and he'd like to chime in. Let us know when we can. Well, Mia, call us at 347-539-5372. The number again is 347-539-5372. You know, we have a number of folks who pop in and out of our switchboard. When we see you there, we'll make sure to try to pick up. So call 347-539-5372 and press 1, and then we'll know if you're ready to issue when we come on air, okay? So there's another question for you, and this one's from Claudia. Claudia, thank you for listening. I love camping. The nights always bring more anxiety, and everything sounds closer and bigger. What was your scariest moment in the woods at night? Hmm. Uh, well, I shared a couple of weeks ago. I had a, it was one night with a very a variety of different things uh, occurring. I think the scariest thing that happened to me in the woods at night would be seeing somebody in the middle of nowhere who shouldn't have been there. Mm. Uh, if you're in the middle of nowhere, you believe you are by yourself. And, of course, it's always probable that another person is there. But in my experience, you know, in in my particular story, it was four teenage boys. It took us hours to drive into this location. Mm -hmm. So see somebody walking without a car and telling them to be careful, there's scary things in the woods, that to me had to be probably the scariest thing I've encountered in the woods. And I also, I understand that, that anxiety that can creep up at night in the woods. During the day, the woods are kind of beautiful but at night um I, I can completely understand where the anxiety kicks in that's a very good point you're right you know what i mean i think we have a caller here let's see if we can bring the caller live on the air and I, caller you're live on the air here with bj and the dean the fright talk guys hello hello hey is that Hi. Mia? yes hey mia hi Hi. So I have my brother here, and uh, one time we were camping together. So it's a very interesting story. Go for it. 
So he's a bit shy, but I'll say it. We were all camping together with a friend or two and obviously um, parents. And um, we were all by the campfire saying scary stories as normal. And we heard um, rustling in the bushes. We thought it was an animal um, Mm -hmm. or something or a prank, right? But we decided that we had set up traps. We'd had defenses. So we just went to sleep and called it night. So my brother woke up early in the morning and he saw somebody, he was one of our friends, he saw him sitting by the campfire, the fire was burnt out, and he was all like dusted as if he'd been up all night, and he was like rocking back and forth, and he was saying these weird things and we didn't know what he was saying. And then by the next day, we called him about it, and it was just like nothing ever happened. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That is not weird. Well, me and yeah, I didn't see it. He was only on the phone. Oh, got it. And do you still know this Mm -hmm. person today? Is this a friend still in your lives? Yeah, we've talked. We've talked. We aren't that close anymore, but we've talked. Right. I'm wondering what these are. Like, is this in Florida or is this somewhere else? Yeah, we were camping in Florida. Oh, it was in Florida. It was Uh in Florida. That was super interesting. Yeah, and, and obviously creepy, right? Because you say to yourself, okay. Yeah. Especially because the person doesn't remember any right. of it. I think that's exactly. part that's the like the creepy. Nothing part. ever happened. Oh, so, yeah, that is crazy. You know what would be interesting? That's great. To record, wow. to record, like, when that would ha- was happening, to then play back and be like, look, you don't remember this happening? Like, you were sitting there, like, you, you know, just staring off at the space. Wow. That's incredible. I know it. Yeah. Wow. It was, it was like if he was like, he wasn't there. Right. Wow. What an interesting story. And what's interesting is that, you know, it, that's the other piece, Mia. You never know what what nature may bring out of people when you take them to nature, right? Right. It's like, yeah. you never know. You know, some people calm and some people just, you know, flame on. <laughs> And so, not to judge a friend, but you just never know, you know, what what the possibilities could be. But we thank you, Mia, and your brother for sharing so that much, story. Man. That is awesome. No problem. Thank you so much. You're awesome, Mia. Thanks thank for listening you. to the show. Of course. Bye. And so, the dean, you know, and the dean, in, in, in Mia's in her brother's case, they're great examples of, of of folks who just have these uncanny circumstances. That's a little different than the other terror in the wood stores we have. That terror came from someone who came with them on the trip. Right. Joined them on the trip. Someone you felt comfortable with. And then that that, that was just fascinating. That's eerie cool. Thank you so much, Mia and brother. Thank you so much. Got a few more questions coming in here. This one's from Mo. Mo asked two questions, actually. How does your greatest fear or phobia compare to the worst nightmare you've ever had? Ooh, that's a good question. That's part one. So I want to okay. let you take that one first. Okay. So fearful my the worst fear. So my uh, my greatest fear, I well, as I mentioned before, I'm a bit claustrophobic. I really have a disdain for elevators. I don't really care about heights. I don't airplanes don't bother me. None of that stuff. How does that compare to? The question is, how does that compare to like my greatest fear in the woods? Well, I'll read it again. How does your greatest fear or phobia compare to the worst nightmare you've had? The worst nightmare I have. Um, my worst nightmare 
was is significantly worse than my than my uh, paranoia for elevators. In in what way? Um, I like a lot of people. I dream and sometimes have nightmares. And I've had many dreams that, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. They seem very real. And sometimes I try to, uh, you know, if it's a bad dream, sometimes you try to wake up from that dream and, or you can't, or sometimes you have a dream, you wake up and then you're like, okay, I woke up from this dream. You go back to sleep and you start the dream right where you left it off. So because Uh dreams are vivid, I would say my worst, uh, worst nightmares are definitely worse than, uh, my uh, my paranoia about elevators because I'll get into an elevator if I have to, whereas the nightmares, right, right, right. you know, are more vivid than that. Yeah, I'm not only vivid. Yeah, I was gonna add. You just made me think now. You know, I wanted a great question, Mo. One of the things I could have one of my greatest phobias. I don't know. I just don't like dark. It's like I love scary things, but I don't like impenetrable darkness where I can't see my hand in front of me. But I had a dream a couple of times in my lifetime, not recently, where someone I loved dear died. And yeah. that gripped me. And that was so horrible. And I remember waking up crying or sweating and feeling uh, just, just just defeated by the, the, the reality of what could inevitably, inevitably become true. And so great question, because it's hard to weigh those two. What a powerful question. Yeah, yeah that's great. Because they're both realities you don't want to face all the time. It's not something we embrace. There's a second part to this question, though. And which of the two would would be worse if it happened? So in your case, you mentioned the stairs, and then you had the the, the dream or the nightmare itself. If it, if which one would be worse if they were to come to fruition? At least for me, obviously, someone passing who I I love dearly that would just knock me off. You know, so I don't know what it would be to fruition. Right. No. Yeah. No. My, my obviously my nightmare would be worse than taking an elevator. You know. Yeah. I'll still ride an elevator depending on the elevator. If it's glass, I'll get in it. If it's big enough, I'll get in it. Uh, definitely. Uh, the, the nightmares are something that I wouldn't want to have to. Specific ones I'm talking about that I remember. I I wouldn't want that to come to fruition at all. Whereas the elevator's like, okay, if I have to, I have to. And Nadine, another question for Karina: Do either of us have a fear of the woods? Ah, you know, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I, I've had I've had good experiences in the woods during yeah. the day, and then I had that bad experience, you know, um, when I was a older teenager. I had to be like, like eighteen or nineteen, so um, I'm not afraid of the woods. I actually like nature quite a bit. I I like the peacefulness of it. I love the way that you can actually breathe better because of the oxygen. Right. And all that. I mean, I. I enjoy the woods during the day. Now, uh, would I be there at night? And I've said this before. If I was camping at night, I, I'd be there. Would I be paranoid? I would. Would I have provisions with me? And I'm not going to get into detail what provisions are. Um, if I had provisions with me, I'd feel a lot better. You right. know, so I would definitely have that as a security blanket. So I don't know how good a you know baseball bat or machete or whatever would be against the poltergeist, but you know. I, I, for me, I don't want to be out there. I don't want to play in the woods. I don't mind going if I know I'm going to be in a community of people and I'm staying in a structure that has a door, not a zip door, not a, uh, a, a Velcro door, a real door that's made of wood or something, 
concrete or wood around me that I can sleep in and, and, and I can feel um, insulated a bit, then I'm okay because I call that a cabin or a house, right? But other than right. that, though, and also, too, it, it helps me, I'll be honest, I'm a little biased here. I, I kind of like the idea of being able to see another house nearby because it gives me a sense that a, a false sense of security in my mind that perhaps other human life is near me. We have a couple more questions, folks, and we're coming down to the last 15 minutes of our show. Thank you for all the call and, 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 and support. You can still chat with us if you wish at 347-539-5372. But I see that you're also emailing us, and there's like one, two, three, four more questions, about four questions left. So we'll try our best to get to them and enjoy the show. By the way, if you haven't done so already, please go on to Instagram and, and, and camp on to our social media feed. The Fright Talk guys, it's easy to find. We look fabulous, and we want to scare you more. More episodes <laughs> of the Common Fact. Nadim and I were talking about this very episode and future episodes, and we feel that every once in a while, every other Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for our live podcast would be the continuation of this. So join us right. for this continued tradition. And as we enter the fall season, the day, oh, it's going to get real here at Fright Talk. Right? Oh, yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. So here's the next question for us. Nadine, which urban legend scares you the most? Um, hmm. Uh, probably Mothman. Why the Mothman? You mentioned that earlier. That was the first uh, character that so, came out of the movie. It actually has nothing to do with the movies. But So you know that I'm mm-hmm. a person of, of history. I like history. Yeah. I'm a, you know. So... I think to myself about different urban legends or, or creatures, and I think to myself Bigfoot, and I say, okay, Bigfoot, maybe in some space, Bigfoot, can there be a primate, a large primate that we haven't discovered? That's possible, so I can kind of write that. But the Mothman, there is countless, and I mean countless, stories of the Mothman and um, people who have had encounters in uh, particular areas, I believe it's West Virginia, and there's a whole town yeah. in West Virginia that is, they have a Mothman festival. There's something about it that, you know, I, I just, I feel like out of this urban legend, and after seeing the stories, the stories of this urban legend are more sinister than the other uh-huh. ones. Uh-huh. Uh, stories of people being chased by mm-hmm. this thing. Um, quite spectacularly like in their cars and stuff like that and if you look at um there are stories of mothman prophecies dating back to like the 40s the 50s the 60s and so so i guess it's the sinister element of that you know and maybe that's because bigfoot has become so commercialized you know like bigfoot's a funny thing you know you see t-shirts hide and seek champion and it's a picture of bigfoot <laughs> you know or something like that but yeah, yeah, yeah. for me yeah. the mothman I, I think the mothman because there's a sinister element to it what about you billy is there one particular urban legend myth or or anything like that you know, no, you know and, and wood connected i would say when i was a kid and my brother and sister i hope you're listening because I used to scare the hell out of them with this story and all of my cousins. I'm the first of 22 grandkids, and all of my aunts and uncles just encouraged me to scare my cousins. And now all of us are all grown, and we're all grown, but even still, we're, they remember this moment. There was the classic tale of Taily Poe, and Taily Poe was this Sasquatch thing that, that 
this hermit gentleman who lived out in the woods came across it. And when the man saw it, he had his musket gun, and then he also had his two um, canine companions along with him. He shot at it, and when he shot at it, he could have heard he, the thing say in a very strange voice as it ran off at a distance, injured, tailypole, tailypole, all I want is my tailypole. And so the guy went over, he went to the place where he had shot the thing, and he, it was a tail. He saw the tail, and he took the tail and his two dogs, and they had a fine tailypole supper that night. So then the next, what, what happens is a series of events. The next, in the night, the ne- that night when he went to bed, he heard a scratching. The scratching came from the front door of his cabin. When he peered out, he saw two big red eyes looking at him. And in a very dark voice, it said, Tilly Poe, Tilly Poe, all I want is my Tilly Poe. And the man took his gun, he shot out into the dark, and then he sent his two dog companions out. That, of course, they came back. Next night, sound comes again. But this time, the sound didn't come from the door. It came from a scratching by the window of his bed. And when he peeped out, he saw two big red blood streaked eyes looking at him. And in a deep voice, he said, the thing said, Tilly Po, Tilly Po, all I want is my Tilly Po. He opened the window. He shot out there in the dark. And he sent his two canine companions out. But this time, the two canine companions didn't come back. And then finally, he went out the next day when it was light to go find them. He did find them. He, they were out there, lot dead, hanging out by the shoreline of the, of, the, of the area, and their throats were ripped out. So that night, he was determined that something would come back to see him. The thing would return, and it did. But the sound didn't come from the door. The sound didn't come from the window beside his bed. It came from the foot of his bed. And when he looked between his feet, he saw two big red blood streak eyes looking at him. And the thing said to him as it stood, Tilly Poe, Tilly Poe, all I want is my Tilly Poe. And the old man sat up and said, I don't have your Tilly Poe. And the thing, it widened his smile and it showed its gnarly teeth and it said, yes, you do. And it ripped out the old man's throat. So that tale is an actual tale that was told to me and countless others when I was a kid and creeped me the hell out, call it an urban legend or what, or what have you, but it's a great story that's often told during camping or even right. one for those right. who are out in, in the Carolinas, a story that seems to have emanated from that particular area. At least that's what my aunt told me. Don't hold me to that Carolina family, but it's just something that I've heard. <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> We have a couple more questions, and we got a few minutes left here. Nadine, do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe ghosts and spirit? Wait, do you believe ghosts, spirits, or energy, or do you believe that ghosts are spirits or energy? Do I? The question is, do I believe that ghosts are spirits or energy? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, um, I think it's ignorant and arrogant to assume we know everything that science does not already know. Right. So, um, yes, I definitely believe that um, there are spirits. I believe that there's entities, uh, positive and negative, depending on the place or, uh, you know, location, experiences. But absolutely, I believe in and I believe that different spirits and ghosts have definitely different energy. Now, I'm not saying that every location has a ghost. because That's not true. And I'm not saying everybody's going to have a ghost experience because that's mm-hmm. not true. But do I personally believe that exists? Yes, I absolutely do. 
And what about you, Billy? I mean, because this is this is a question that really is kind of at the core of Fright Talk, right? Because here we are talking about all these things horror, and in right. the end, the question comes: Are we believers? And and for me, uh, I am for a lot of things. For certain things, I'm not. But for for this and the supernatural, I am. Uh, what about you? I I agree. I agree with you. There are energies in. Even among the living in general, I believe that there, there. I believe there are obviously more good people in the world than there are bad, and but we right. do have a, a high volume of bad. Because right. of that, the good and bad put energy out in the world, and that energy manifests itself. It attracts itself, or attaches itself to other things, or what have you. I feel that when perhaps when we pass on, and this is not just diving into faith-based systems, but just the idea, sometimes that the ending was just not that sour, or there's a strong sense of incomplete. Uh, yeah. And completion in, in this regard, I think things can linger, and and that is why spaces and places and things that are fond or familiar to people they begin to have value, and things sometimes can manifest with them. So I think sometimes things just happen, and and we can we all lo- I love I please I'd love to dismiss it to science, but even science when we talk about nature, science looks at nature, but when nature is at a superlative state, we call it supernature or supernatural. Right. So yeah, right. it's a, it's a great question. And here's one more for us. Uh, This is from Todd. Todd, thank you for listening. Uh, Would you visit one of the world's haunted forests? And we mentioned a couple earlier, Nadine. Remember we talked about, which one was it, the the suicide forest? Would you go, Nadine? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Would you go? I definitely (laughs) would. I go only if you go with me, Billy. I'll go with you, brother. I'm with you, brother. uh, (laughs) No, listen, there's a lot of... I don't mind visiting haunted places at all for the curiosity of it all. However, let me say this. I've heard many stories. I've seen many stories, TV, books, or if you go to a location looking for something specific, you may find what you're looking for, and that's not necessarily a good thing. Uh, Sometimes... There's people who give stories that they go looking for a specific entity, and then they feel, don't feel the same afterwards ever again. And that's not something I definitely want to experience. But would I go to a haunted place uh, to see it during the day and stuff like that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we talk about the woods. We talk about Bigfoot. And most people, if you look at the encounters, most people claim to see Bigfoot during the day. But all the investigators go out at night, which yes. makes no sense to me because the most active time is during the day. So, you know, I mean, I don't mind going to haunted places at all, to, but not looking for one thing specific. You know, there's a place out in Waco, Texas called Cameron Park where there is, a, I forgot to read this earlier, several hot spots are reported to be paranormal hot zones, including Jacob's Ladder, a treacherous set of stairs, haunted by a grabbing ghost, and also a well-known site known as the Witch's Castle, and then given to a crumbling ruins found deep in the park. And so there are some – the, the moral here is that there are some spaces here in Florida and America that – even in Florida, perhaps um, – that, that are not, a, not estranged to the, to the to lurking in the midst of terror. And so, Nadine, but, you know, we're down to our last five minutes, and I do believe you'd like to um, make a few announcements. How would you like I, to do this? Well, here, here's what I'd like to do. I'm going to – if you are listening in and you wrote in a question – so we're going to choose people that wrote in a question. And if you wrote in a question, we are going to respond back to you. I'll have Billy respond back to you asking for your uh, the address where you would like the item shipped. And we're going to go ahead and send it to you. 
I'll send it to them. Okay, I'll, I'll take care of it this week. So basically, um, I'll go ahead and pick one, and then I'll let Billy pick the other two. How about that? Go for it. All right. So the first and and the first winner is going to be because she asked a series of great questions, and uh, she's one of our number one fans. So. The first Ghostbusters tote bag. That's what we have here today, folks. The Ghostbusters tote bag. First one is going to Karina Mariaka. Thank you, Karina. All right. You got your Ghostbusters tote bag coming your way. Thank you always for the support and all the love you've given us on social media. Billy, the next two are on you, my friend. Brother, I think we should give one to our dear friend who has been a supporter of us. Not only she called in with her brother today, but she also was kind to, to camp on to our social media. A lot of love for Mia. Mia, congratulations. Mia, all right, Mia. No problem. Mia gets tote bag number two. And so the next one, there's somebody, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I'm going to let you pick. Because you said different names. Go for, names for that. Go for it. No, no, no. Go. I want you to do it. Did, did you say uh, a Monica? Yeah, there was a Monica. Yeah, from North Carolina. And Monica emailed in her question to you? Yes, she emailed in a question. All right, so we're going to try to get in contact with Monica, Mia, and Karina. So Monica could be the winner of the third Ghostbusters tote bag. Congratulations, Monica. Thank you for your question. Thank you for listening in. You know, um, when Billy and I uh, got together earlier today, we spoke about how successful the first show was, and that is because of our listeners, and we want to thank you so much. We want to thank you for all the love you've given on social media. We started the new Instagram tag this week. Fright Talk Guys, follow us on Instagram. You won't be sorry of all the wonderful and frightening things that you will see. And folks, we have more episodes to come. So tune in, if you will, here on Everyday Folks Radio on Saturday, September 29th. I'll be interviewing back on BJ Speaks, one of our my favorite people, Devin Boston, who is an educator, and she's an herbal life consultant. And we're going to be talking everything from education to fitness. And also, right here on, on talk, uh, Fright Talk with the Fright Talk guys, we're talking two Fridays from now, September 4th. We'll be back at 8 p.m. with great new content. So do camp on to our social media so that you can see and learn more about those exciting things. And you can visit everydayfolksradio.com, the website for Everyday Folks Radio where you can see the latest episodes of all of our programming that has taken place here through Everyday Folks Radio. Any final words for me? Uh, well, I just want to thank everybody. You know, um, you're going to hear us giving out a lot of love. We try to throw in the spooky just for you guys because uh, we're avid fans of it as well. So thank you for all the love. Thank you for all the listens. I mean, that first show, over 200 listens, Billy, what do we have to say about that? I mean, what more can you say? That's a lot of love coming in our direction. You do, brother. And I say thank you to our listeners. And I say thank you to you, Brother Nadine Tash, because oh, I couldn't you. do this without a brotherhood here. The, the Fright Talk guys, we're, we're family here. And when we started this idea, we can't have to thank coronavirus for this opportunity. So special yeah. thanks to the evil coronavirus for creating and spawning the Fright Talk episodes that we are now doing. Thank you, folks, so much for listening to us. We'll be back with more content. Again, everydayfolksradio.com is our website. And go to Fright Talk Guys on Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook, too. You can camp on to the in-taps 
Bernadine and Dr. Billy Jones for me on Instagram as well. Take care and be safe.